Hello and welcome to the Active Growth Podcast. This is the first episode in our third series, which is about how to create irresistible offers. The reason we're talking about irresistible offers and the reason we're dedicating a whole series to this topic is because, well, the better your offer is, the more irresistible your offer is, the easier it is to sell, to get traffic, to get people to share your business, tell their friends about it, and so on. The more irresistible your offer is, the easier it is to build a successful business. And conversely, the worse your offer is, the less appealing your offer is, the more difficult everything else becomes. Today in this first episode, we're talking about the most common problem that leads to unappealing offers. And it's an interesting problem because it's one that you can't see in your own business. If you see this in someone else's business, you can tell this is not a good offer. But in your own business, you're blind to this. And that's why it's very important to stick with this episode and keep listening, even if your first reaction is, ah, this doesn't apply to me, I don't have this problem. In fact, especially if that's your first reaction, keep listening until you hear our examples and our action steps. You can get the show notes for this episode by going to activegrowth.com forward slash 50. With that said, let's get started. Hello, I'm Shane Malach. And I'm Hanne Verwerk. And the other day I was looking in my mailbox and I found a flyer there. And this flyer was for pizza. So you might think that a flyer for pizza, that's nothing weird, right? But this flyer didn't only offer pizza. They also offered kebab and what was even weirder is that they even had sushi. Now, I want to ask you, would you order sushi from this place? Oh my God, no. <laughs> it feels like that's such a strange combination. I think of sushi as something that requires great delicacy to make and that's somehow not the same image that's conjured from a pizza and kebab place. Exactly. Like you can see the greasy kebab and like <laughs> <laughs> the fresh fish next to it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. And this is what we are going to talk about today, right? So the problem here is basically that I guess this place, their logic was that, okay, if we... If we sell pizza, and I'm guessing it's like you can order it, right? Pizza mm -hmm. delivery. Then, okay, a lot of other people are doing that. What if we if we also add kebab delivery and we also add sushi delivery, then that must mean more customers, right? Offering more things must mean more customers. So I, I bet next week you'll get one where it says also wedding cakes. <laughs> Wait, that's not really something people order, right? No, well, uh, birthday cakes? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, you're totally right. It's like, oh yeah, let's offer everything that somebody could order on a Friday night when they are too lazy to get out, right? Yeah. And so in, in this episode, uh, in this series, we're talking about irresistible offers. And this has come up through some of the discussions that were started from the previous episodes. And it's also come up, it's something that um, we see this a lot in our work at Thrive Themes. As you can imagine, we see many, many landing pages and websites and opt-in forms and offers and so on. 
that you know that our customers make we, we do these website reviews um, we just we just get a lot of exposure to what people are building in terms of um, offers and sales pages and online businesses and quite often you you take one look at one of these websites or a landing page and you just immediately see that this is never going to work and we kind of have a privileged position because we get access to all of these websites that that you the general public let's say will basically never see because they will never succeed right so if you as a, as a let's say normal web consumer we're actually exposed to the cream of the crop of websites right we're we, we generally only come across the really good stuff that succeeded somehow um, and in our work at Thrive Themes, we see, well, we see kind of a, a cross-section of all types of websites made by all kinds of people. So we also see the ones that will basically never succeed and never take off. And I think it's easy to forget how, yeah, how commonly a website has this problem where you look at it and just go, no, this is never going to work. And the most common reason you get this feeling when looking at a website is that the offer on the site or the other page just doesn't work. And this, uh, you know, pizza, sushi, kebab offer is one such thing, right? It's like, it just feels wrong. It feels wrong right away. <laughs> and you're like, ah, this is not going to work. I'm sure they are wondering why they don't get more sales. Yeah. Like, I think that the moment that they decided to make sushi, they thought that it was going to be a huge increase in sales. And now they are probably wondering why their sales in pizzas dropped. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So this is the type of problem we we are going to look at. And it's the, the type of problem that we want to help you avoid or solve. And the pizza kebab sushi example is, of course, is pretty extreme. I, like, basically, everybody hears that and goes, oh, that's weird. And I'm guessing that if you're listening to this, you probably don't have a problem with your offer to that degree. But a similar thing or the same thing can go wrong with your offer in more subtle ways that you would probably not be aware of. Now, to clarify a couple of points. First of all, we're talking about the offer itself here. So we are talking about not the way the offer is presented, like your copywriting and design, even though those matter as well. But the offer itself is basically separate from all that. It's separate from your copy. It's separate from your design. It's separate from your website. The offer is basically what do you get and how much does it cost, right? So if I come to your website, what do I get and how much does it cost me? And offers can be bad in different ways. Let me just run through some examples of what we've seen, right? First of all, an offer can be too expensive. That's something we very commonly like that's everybody knows this problem right something could be too expensive so you might be offering something i want but it's not at a price that i'm willing to pay so you know if you're selling a pad of sticky notes for a hundred dollars i'm just not going to pay a hundred dollars for a pad of sticky notes are there swarovski stones on those sticky notes i mean maybe because that might be worth a hundred <laughs> you think you think you're you're in the market for... <laughs> to me it might be I don't know. <laughs> like i love sticky notes <laughs> yeah but, but would you i mean <laughs> do the swarovski add to what makes you like sticky notes glittery sticky notes come on okay so if you're if you're selling 
glittery sticky notes for a hundred dollars then you have at least one customer we've just found out <laughs> but the point is that um, with something like you know we have we have an idea of what many things are supposed to cost right and uh, if the if the price is simply too high or if the thing is just not important enough then that's just not going to work and it also illustrates why the offer is separate from the presentation of the offer so because if you have something that is simply overpriced then even if you have great copy and great design and so on it's not really going to make a difference another common problem is what I'll call missing the mark, where there's an offer, but it's just not what I want or need. And this could be an issue of targeting. So if I come to your website and I go, no, this is just not something I want or need at all, then maybe you're targeting the wrong kind of people, right? So if I clicked on an ad to get there, then you should probably target that ad to fewer people. Um, it could also be a product market fit problem. It's possible that no one comes to your website and thinks this is what I want or need, which means that you have to change your product, you have to change your offer to fit someone's needs. Another way in which an offer can be bad is it can be it can fail to be believable. So you know, if I tell you, give me ten dollars and I'll give you a hundred dollar bill, that is technically a great offer. And something that, you know, who wouldn't want that? But the problem is you don't trust that, right? You're never going to believe that this isn't a fake $100 bill that I'm giving you. And the same goes for, you know, many things, of course, right? If, you know, if someone's selling a guaranteed investment advice, it'll triple your investment in, in 30 days and it costs like $7. It's like, why, why would you believe that, right? So those are some of the, the most obvious ways in which an offer can be bad and in which offers can fail. Another one, and the one we're going to focus on here, is that an offer can be too generic and thus unappealing. So maybe it is something that's useful, maybe it is something that fits me in general, but it's just not important or interesting or urgent enough to bother with. And this, the too generic and unappealing offer, that is the first thing we're going to take a closer look at. And I really want to challenge everybody because the easy one is saying like, oh, it's too expensive. The reason why people don't buy my service is probably because it's too expensive. And even if you ask people, if you ask your audience, they might say as an easy answer, oh yeah, it's too expensive. But very often it's because it's not appealing to people. They don't see the value in there. And just lowering the price would never help. So I think that's very important to keep in mind that yes, of course, if you're pricing something at like a ridiculously high price that nobody would be willing to pay, that's a problem. But most of the time, it's not the first thing. Yeah, and you should. It's much better for your business as well if you can like increase the value of your offer to the point where people are willing to pay a lot for it, than to be involved in a in a pricing race to the bottom where you're like, well, what if I, you know, what if I give you fifty percent off? Because yeah, at some point people will be like, okay, whatever, I'll buy this just because I'm a hoarder, <laughs> but that's not really <laughs> going to help your business, right? Exactly, and and it's one of those things. If you just look around, you will find people who have services and they just are like yep this is 10k an hour service whatever and they can get away with it so it's not like it's too easy to be like oh probably because i'm charging 100 bucks an hour it's too expensive for people i think that's actually a clue that there's something really wrong with the offer yes 
So now, like Shane just said, the thing that we're going to concentrate on in this episode is if you are too generic or too unappealing, because I'm sure you've heard it before, like the riches are in the niches, right? And that's from somebody who doesn't know how to say niche, because that's the right way to say it. And the riches are in the niches doesn't work really. So whatever. (laughs) No, I think I think I think there's no I think you're allowed to say niche instead of niche. I still feel that because it's like comes from a French word. You should oh, probably right. use the yeah. right, right. Anyway. explanation. But anyway, we do agree that, that <laughs> anyway. we should niche down. We should have a niche offer rather than a generic offer. Exactly. But how can you really apply this? And when do you know when you are going too niche? So when you are too narrow, so that actually nobody wants to buy it from you anymore. That there's no audience anymore. Now, first of all, I want to ask you another question. Um, When you are looking for a photographer and it's for your wedding day, and so you are looking around, you are ready to have a good photographer because this is like a super important day and you want to make sure that he doesn't mess up, right? So then would you go for somebody, a photographer who's doing like kind of everything or would you go for somebody who's actually specialized in wedding photography? And the same is like for, for, for taxes. If you have problems with your taxes, would you go to a lawyer who's specialized in foreign taxes or would you just go to a general lawyer? Now, the reason that I'm asking this is because when you make that decision yourself, it's like super easy to see that you would prefer somebody who's specialized. Somebody who actually niched down their business and decided I'm a photographer, I can take pictures of anything, but I'm going to specialize in weddings or I'm going to specialize in foreign taxes or whatever. My favorite example of this is imagine that you have a pounding headache and you you go into the pharmacy and you just need something to get rid rid of this headache. And you're looking at the, you know, in the painkiller section, let's say, and there's one that's just generic painkiller and there's one that is, you know, headache buster. So it's a painkiller made for headaches. Now, obviously, that's the one you go for, right? And and here's the thing. Even if someone came in and said, listen, you know, the painkiller and the headache painkiller is basically the same thing, right? It, it, it just It's just a label that's different. I bet most of us would still be like, yeah, still going to go for the headache one. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it is a little bit more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want the thing that is fitted for your needs. Now, the problem is when when many entrepreneurs think about their own business, they are not doing this because there's there's a fear in doing this. And, and one of the fears would be, well, I'm going to lose business because I can serve those people. So why would I miss out? Why wouldn't I do it? And also, it seems logical that if you offer more services, you have more opportunities to sell. And one last one that I think that is actually very important is that feeling like, but I can actually do all of that. I'm a designer, so I can do logos and I can do websites and I can do uh, whatever other design, interior design or whatever, because why not? More services, more opportunities and more clients. Yeah, it's interesting how from the consumer side, we, we think about this very differently than from the entrepreneur side. 
because yeah from from the consumer side it seems pretty obvious like the examples we gave before it seems pretty obvious that you want the more specific thing but as soon as we switch into entrepreneur mode we can't help but see a potential crowd of customers and every time we specialize every time we narrow our focus we just see like oh this crowd is getting smaller and i don't want that i want a larger crowd but there are a lot of advantages in having a niche offer and one of those advantages is actually that it's way cheaper to do marketing because if you have to reach a lot of people then that is actually something very expensive to do and it's very inefficient you will need to shoot large and then hope that some of those people will actually be interested in what you are looking for and it's also super hard to actually write a clear message so when we go back to the copywriting like we said it is important to be able to present your offer so that people understand if it's something for them and if you just have in mind that this is something that everybody could use then it will be really hard to convince somebody that it actually is for them we're going to in the show notes we're going to link to a website review we did where you can see kind of a practical example of this this problem in action and our solution for it where you know we were reviewing a website that basically had too many offers for too many people and the problem is if you present them all on a single page Every time you're talking about one thing that interests one segment of your audience, you're losing the attention of everyone else. So this is a big problem in presenting your offer, right? If you have a narrow and clear focus, it's actually quite easy to say the exact right things to the exact right people. Whereas if you try to appeal to too many people, this is an attention management problem. I tend to think of a lot of what we do in online marketing as attention management because online, everyone's always an instant away from closing your site and going somewhere else, right? People's attention spans are at an all-time low. If someone's going through your page or your video or your presentation, whatever, where you present your offer, the moment you give them a this isn't really made for you signal, you lose people. And even if moments later you go, hold on, there's also something for you in here, they're already gone, they're already somewhere else. So this is also why it's really important to have this very, very clear focus because trying to appeal to too many people, all everyone in your crowd is hearing is, this isn't for me. Because everybody's a special snowflake. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody likes to feel as if you know exactly what, what they are feeling and what their problems are. And an example of this was when I was talking to an entrepreneur and he developed this tool to scrape websites and then import the data in WordPress. So he came up to me after, um, I think it was after a copywriting talk, and he, he actually said exactly the same thing. Like many entrepreneurs say, like, I have this tool. I think it is like it is a good tool, but for some reason, nobody is buying. Like I really have trouble selling it. And so I was listening to his story and this is actually perfect for someone who would like to switch from, let's say, Weebly to WordPress. And so when I was asking him, like, can, can you do that? Can you go from, from Weebly to WordPress? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. It's like, okay, how about like Wix or, or Squarespace to WordPress? Yeah, yeah, I can do all of that. So I asked him to, to pick the most promising niche and, and he 
didn't want to do it. He was like, no, but you don't understand. Like I can do it for Weebly and I can do it for Wix and I can do it for Squarespace. But I asked him like, which one do you think is the most promising? Which one is, is maybe the biggest market? Which one is the most demand? And I was trying to, to explain to him that it would be much easier to have people who are looking to switch from Drupal to WordPress and have that term and see that ad in their Facebook and are targeted that way than being like, hey, this is a website scraper for importing stuff in WordPress. Yeah, what, what does that mean? I think this is also, we have to um, understand that in consumer mode, everyone's selfish. And if I if I have a Squarespace website right now and I want to switch to WordPress, then if you simply tell me, look, here's the thing that switches from Squarespace to WordPress, then I don't care what else your tool does. I just don't care. I'm sorry. I know it's important to you, the creator, and you're proud that it also does all this other stuff, but I don't care. All I want is to switch my website from Squarespace to WordPress. End of story. Yeah. And so his feeling was really that his, his tool would become less valuable by doing that. And... It was really funny because like how I, I, I tried to explain that he could still like have have landing pages explain like this is the tool from Drupal to WordPress and this is the tool from Squarespace to WordPress and just basically like multiply the number of people that he could talk to as long as he didn't try to talk to everybody on, on one sales page. And um yeah, I don't know. I guess in the meantime he stopped developing the tool. Um but it is it is so important like you said, to give that consumer the feeling that this will solve their problem. And the moment that they read your sales page or your message, they have to be like, yes, hell yes. This is the offer that fits my needs. The hell yes thing is is really important because if you want to get something, you know, you want to get an object in motion, basically, it, it takes that extra push of initial energy and if you have an offer that makes people go, yeah, sure, then that is actually not enough to get someone to make that commitment. So like a lukewarm yes is not enough. You have to have something that makes a certain kind of person with a certain kind of problem go, heck yes, this is exactly what I want. Because uh, when they're like, oh yeah, maybe, I don't know. This means click away and find a tool that fits my needs better. And if really after so much searching, I cannot find anything, then I might maybe come to you. Which is really not a position where you want to be in. <laughs> like we want to get to that hell yes feeling for our customers. So the question is, should you niche down on your business? Like at what point do you know that you're making this mistake? And we have a few easy things that you can actually do to figure out if you are trying to to reach too many people if you are trying to appeal to different audiences so the very first one is ask a friend if they can easily refer someone to you so if they know exactly what you are doing it should be super easy for them to say yes i have a friend and she has children between the age of four and six. And I know that you have a clothing line for those kids. That is super clear. And they can refer somebody to you. So as if you are specific enough, this should be super easy for your friend. 
If your friend is like, uh, I don't know, um, tell me again, what are you doing? Um, well, maybe my friend Mark, I think he kind of needs a website like the one you are offering, but I'm not sure. Then probably you're not specific enough and you can go deeper and you can niche down on your offer. I would also say that an important factor is here that if, if your friend understands what you offer, but has trouble thinking of someone to, you know, it's like, yeah, I know, I know what you do, but I don't know among my friends, among my colleagues, I can't really think of anyone. That's, that's a real problem. That's a problem of the offer being too generic or, you know, too unappealing. Whereas, you know, if you, if you have a technical product and your friend is like, look, I, I, I don't really know what you do. That's a different problem, right? <laughs> but it, it's really, if you, if, if it's basically, if it's not difficult to explain to someone, look, this is what I offer, but they just can't seem to think of someone who's like, yeah, definitely. I have this one friend who needs this. That is the sign that is too generic. Now, the second question that you have to ask yourself is, do you know how to reach your audience? So an example of this is that it will be much easier to reach dentists in Dallas than it would be to reach English speaking small businesses. Because at that point, when we go back to the fact that your marketing will be more expensive if you don't niche down, well, this is clearly uh, the question that you have to ask yourself do you do you know and is it easy to reach the audience that you want to reach because the easier it becomes the less money you will have to spend to actually get the right people in front of your offer this one is huge i have to say that when i talk to people who you know who ask me like friends and, and people who know me otherwise who ask me for like business advice and i have them kind of talk me through their idea this is always the one that I end up insisting on. I'm like, look, you have to be able to point to a group of people who need this thing. And if if you just say, no, I'm, I bet there, there must be many people. I mean, sure, there must be so many people out there who need this. No, no, no. I want you to be like, point your finger at a group of people who need this, right? It has to be so obvious. And I like the, the example you gave of, you know, the, the, the dentists in Dallas, because you can walk there and knock on the door. That's how specific that is, right? You can find literally the dentists in Dallas. Whereas if you're just like, no, you know, this is for people who want a website and you have like this idea of this is some, you know, this, there must be this huge crowd. I'm not quite sure who I'd walk up to and shake hands with, but they must be out there, right? That is a sign that it's way too generic. And again, like imagine that you have to do Facebook ads. What are you going to do? Are you going to target everybody between 30 and 50 in the hope that they might be interested in your offer? Like that's not a good way to spend your money. Yeah. And, and by the way, just like as a, as a very basic tip for Facebook ads, that's, I think people make the same mistake there as you're setting your targeting in Facebook, it tells you how large your audience is. And the beginner mistake is to look at that number and go, oh, this number is going down. That's not good. I want to reach more people. That's exactly the opposite of what you want, right? You want that number to be small, right? You want to be, it's great if you have an audience that is only a few thousand people. And it's not great if you have an audience that is 500 million people. There's something about a big fish in a small pond. There's, yeah, there must be some saying about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if you can dominate 
a small market that will always be easier and better than trying to catch a little bit of a huge market. Now, how can you niche down? There are several ways that you can niche down your offer. And depending on what you're offering right now, um, this might or might not apply. So try to think through all of them and try to think if this can apply to your offer. So first of all, you can niche down by audience or by industry. So we have a cheat sheet in the Forget Traffic course that you can download on the Active Growth website. And one of the questions is, who can you serve best? But also, who are you excluding? So I want to repeat that question right here because it will help you to niche down your offer. Who are you not going to serve? That's a very important question. Now, the second way of niching down is by technology. And this would be instead of creating websites, you can create Shopify websites. Or instead of creating just general websites, you can specialize in WordPress websites or any other technology. If you are using a specific software um, for your service, then this is something that you can use to niche down. You can often see this um, with piggyback businesses that, that appear when something becomes successful. And I think the, the most recent example of this in our space is Slack, right? Once Slack started taking off, the there were all these piggyback businesses that showed up, you know, which is just something for slack right some tool some feature for slack where there's no there's no real reason why they couldn't make a generic version for that right it's basically for everything and we also integrate with slack but these businesses are smart enough to realize that it's better to target very specifically people who have this need and are using slack and so you can see that this you know this and this happens basically for yeah, whenever whenever something something platform like takes off, there will be all these add-ons and extensions and third-party things made for that platform, and that's why it's just it helps them reach the right crowd more easily. Now, the third thing that you can do is specialize. So, for example, if you are doing audio editing, you could offer podcast editing, which is much more specific and it will be easier to reach your audience because then you can target podcasters, for example. The specialization is also what we were talking about with the photography, so the wedding photography instead of just general photography, or the designer who concentrates on landing page design and doesn't do any logo design anymore. So becoming specialized in a very specific topic can always help to niche down in some cases especially with uh, service-based businesses if you've kind of been grinding it out and doing all kinds of work for all kinds of clients it can be this can be a great opportunity you can basically look at all of your past clients all the work you've done and look at okay what's been the best work here you know what has um where have i gotten paid best where have the customers been the most satisfied with my work? What's basically been the smoothest? What's the 80-20 here, right? What's like the 20% of clients that, that bring me 80% of my income and possibly also 8% of my joy because I actually enjoy doing this type of work? And do they have anything in common, you know? Because maybe you'll find that, oh, it's always... You know, the logo design jobs are great. I uh, This is something I'm just good at and the customers are satisfied and it just goes really well. 
But every time someone comes with a web design project, it's just pain. And in the end, it ends up costing me almost more than I get. Then that's a great signal. You can be like, oh, maybe I should specialize on local design. Maybe I should only work with those good clients where I actually get paid and ditch all of the, basically fire all of the other clients that are, that are causing me pain and not paying me well. Another example of this was a friend of mine who was talking about his guitar course business. And it's, this is like a beginner guitar lessons online and they even still have DVDs. And you know, the reason why they have DVDs is because they found out that the people who were willing to pay for beginners, uh, guitar lessons were between 50 and 60 years old. And they still liked looking at DVDs. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so the moment that they realized that that was their audience, that was their segment, that was their target audience, they then flipped around the whole business, concentrated only on those people, made songs that those people would, would be appealed to change their whole way, way of talking and saw their business grow exponentially. Now, a challenge for you would be go to Google and put in your industry and then four. So this could be guitar lessons four. And it's actually pretty funny because it brings up some very interesting. Um, it brings up the auto suggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Google will suggest what comes after that. And you will see if you try the guitar lesson example, it brings up for autistic children or it brings up for country music. So these are suggestions that Google is making based on researches that people are already doing. So this might help you to find a niche in your industry. Now to make this even more practical, here are some examples of businesses that exist that are successful niche businesses or that started very clearly targeted in a niche. Let's eat is a website builder, but only for restaurant websites. And daddy daughter hair school is a hairstyling course, but only targeting fathers who want to help their daughters with their hair. And this is maybe a website that you already heard of the nerd fitness website. So as you can see, that's not a fitness program for everyone. They are very specifically targeting those people who also like to read comment books. And one more example that I really like is WAG, which is a dog walking and dog sitting app for busy dog owners, not just for when you're on holidays or whatever. No, it's for busy dog owners. Another one that you might be familiar with simply because it's in our market is ConvertKit. ConvertKit is an email marketing service that brands itself as being for bloggers. And especially when they started, this was really, you know, they really advertised that this is for bloggers and writers. Really, it's a general purpose email marketing tool. There's no re if you have an e-commerce store, there's no reason why you couldn't use ConvertKit. But they chose to focus on that niche. And they're open to, you know, other people joining. But in their advertising, in their messaging, they're staying on that niche. I also got an insight into niche business in, you know, in my previous life before online marketing, where I saw that I was selling hardware. I was selling highly specialized computer hardware for water cooling computers. And the market of computer tech was already, you know, dominated by these huge players, these huge companies that were 
selling computer hardware. But this emergence of this niche of people interested in water cooling allowed some new players to enter that market where they didn't start by saying, oh, we're another, you know, we're the new egg competitor, basically, right? Uh, you can buy all computer hardware here that they would have never stood a chance. But there were these small specialized stores where like, okay, we sell this water cooling stuff to this small group of weirdos interested in water cooling their computers. And another example of something that started out as a niche business is Thrive Themes. So our first product was a visual editor made for creating sales pages in WordPress. That's how specific that was, right? If you are a WordPress user and you're frustrated because you want to make a sales page and WordPress is not built for that, here's the solution. This is how we started. And of course, we still focus on a niche. We still focus on people who care about building business websites, conversion-focused websites. So we're not saying our products are for anyone who uses WordPress, but we have expanded a little bit from that original niche. So that's another thing to keep in mind is like you can start small, you can start in a small segment, get a footing there and then expand. Not too much in most cases, you, want, you don't want to go super generic from there, but you can slowly like expand that focus and start appealing to more people once you already have something going. If during this podcast, you've been feeling kind of icky about the idea of pushing away that many clients, then you're still not exactly in the, in the right mindset. But knowing that you can always expand later might help you to decide on concentrating on one very specific audience just for right now. So for example, if you're a content marketer, that's, that's your service. You can start by specializing in content marketing for restaurants. If you notice that there's a real demand for that. And then after six months, a year, the time that you established yourself as an authority in that niche, you can branch out and say, okay, now I will also take on the fitness market, for example, but you will have to stay niche for a specific time before starting to branch out. Yeah, get some success, get some success in that niche and it will be much easier than to, you know, you'll have the credentials, right? It'll be much easier to say, hey, look what I did for these restaurant owners. I can do something similar for you. All right, to close off, let's look at the specific action steps. Like what can you do to niche down, to find a better niche, to, to narrow your offer in the right way? Here are the steps you can take. First of all, you can use this, this Google trick that Hannah mentioned, right? You, you type in your offer for and look at auto-suggest and look at what comes up there and look at some of the results from some of those auto-suggests as well to see, you know, is there competition serving these specific needs? What do they look like? And get an idea of where you might fit in. Now, if you don't want to go manually through Google and type your industry for and then A and then B and then C to see what comes up, you can actually use a tool or a website that's called ubersuggest.io. And when you go to that website, all it does is basically scrape Google for you. So it will add those A, B, C after and you will be able to get a lot more results in a shorter time. So that's a little hack. Next, what you could do is when you find a couple of specific niches or specific, let's say, avatars of people you could serve, you can 
get an idea of which ones are better to go after by doing the following exercise. You can do this in a spreadsheet. You have four questions and you want to basically rate from one to five for each of your niche or avatar ideas. The questions are, number one, how many people are in this segment? Number two, how difficult is it to reach them or how easy is it to reach them? Number three, how much can they spend? And number four, how big of a pain point is it for them, right? So how urgent is the need, in other words? And the idea here is it's rating from one to five because you just want to estimate, right? It's not, you don't have to like find the exact numbers or anything. But to give you an example, right? If I, let's say I'm a fitness coach and I look at my offer is just, hey, you want to be fit, hire me. And I notice that, okay, it's way too generic. If I try to appeal to everyone who wants to be fit, then I can't really compete with the cheaper offers that, you know, the fitness studios, the large chain fitness studios are making. So most of my potential audience then are just going to the fit, you know, they're just going to the cheap gym and I can't compete there. I can't compete on price. I can't compete on reach. So I have to niche down. And so I do the Uber suggest thing. I do the, the Google suggest thing and so on. And maybe I find two possibilities there. I could do a, you know, paleo training, functional fitness, trained like a caveman kind of thing. Or I could do a fitness coaching for troubled teens. And so I could run through these questions, right? How many people are in this segment? Okay, the, the paleo training, I can look at, you know, how many people are, how big of a thing is paleo food, right? How many people are into that in terms of the restaurants they go to, the food they buy and so on? Get an idea, okay, there's quite a lot of people. Um, troubled teens, it's probably fewer people. How difficult or easy are they to reach? With the paleo training thing is, okay, they're all already going to CrossFit, so I can reach them, but the, the easiest way to reach them would be with my competitors. There's also various online groups and stuff I can join, so I can definitely reach them, but they're already being served. Um, with the troubled teens, there it's mostly about connections, right? Maybe if I know someone who works in a program with them or I have connections with a school or something, then I can very easily reach people. Um, and if I don't have those connections, then it'd be quite difficult. How much can they spend? The caveman paleo people can generally spend quite a lot, right? They're already spending money on this expensive food and on the CrossFit gyms and all this. Whereas the troubled teens themselves don't have a lot of... Um, money to spend and their parents it varies right in many cases they also wouldn't necessarily be um, very well off and then how big of a pain point is it here the the caveman paleo training it's not a huge pain point because even though this is an important part of their lifestyle they're already being served in their crossfit gyms whereas with the troubled teens it's a huge pain point for them and their parents so that's just an example of how you could then end up with an idea of which one is better to go after. And in this case, you know, this would depend a lot on, as we just saw going through the questions, it depends a lot on like what my connections are, you know, where I might have a foot in. But in both cases, right, if I can say, look, I offer this fitness thing. If you're a parent of a troubled teen, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to specialize on this. I'm going to give them something to do something that kind of, um, you know, where they can, if they, if you have like aggressive teens or something like that, um, 
they can they'll do all this physical activity it'll make them feel better and it'll also kind of tire them out right it will give them something that they feel good about something where they're making progress like this can be a cornerstone of of their development so you can and it's it's how different it is i think about how different is that from a generic oh i'll help you get fit offer right some people are going to be like this is a godsend yes finally something that we can do something that my troubled teen can feel good about right exactly those parents that you're targeting to pay if they read this offer they are like hell yes please take my teenager help him feel better and the same is if you ask your friend if he knows somebody like that he would be immediately like oh yeah the son of my colleague he's been in trouble like he's already been in juvie um i, I like he would need this so it also answers the two criteria that we talked before right you can easily have people uh, refer other people to you and people would say hell yes to that offer if that is their pain point exactly yeah and the same is actually for the caveman training right you can you can further differentiate yourself from from the normal crossfit training right and there as well, it's like, you know, if you ask someone, hey, do you know someone who'd be interested in caveman training? You'd be like, oh, yeah, dude, I have this friend. He's just like always going on about paleo and stuff. And he doesn't shut up about it, right? It's like, that is exactly the person who would be interested in this. So uh, so there you go. Uh, that's an exercise you can do. Um, and you can run through this exercise. And of course, um, we will also add this in the show notes right if you so if you didn't write all the questions down so no worries just check out the show notes where everything is uh, written down for you and when you do this rating this might also be inconclusive right which is actually a good thing so if you for each one you're like yeah two maybe three nah two maybe three then probably you haven't found the right market to go after yet and you should dig a little deeper to get to that hell yes yeah you definitely want to see some fives on that list all right and finally my final point here is that once you've decided or once you have some uh, possible niches or some possible avatars to go after then ask yourself where which which is the most lucrative one and this might sound greedy, but I always recommend to start with where you can make the most money the fastest, because this is what will give you the, the getting off the ground cash. You know, look, I have never started a business just because I wanted to make a lot of money. I always want to create. I'm always more motivated by creating good things than I am by making lots of money. But what I wish I would have understood sooner is that if I make a lot of money first, it's much easier for me to then create great things. And I see this a lot where, you know, people are basically, it's like they're too selfless. They're not greedy enough and you're just not serving. You know, even if, even if the reason for your entrepreneurship is because you want to serve the world, you are not serving the world if you're struggling away with almost no clients, unable to pay the bills. Like that doesn't help anyone. Right? So it's much better to go after the most lucrative idea first, make some money, make sure that you're taken care of, and then you have the resources, you have that base where you can say, okay, now I can do more of the stuff that matters to me. Now I can expand my business more in a, let's say, selfless direction, more in a purpose-driven direction. But start where the money is. 
Exactly. And even if you think about it, you, you're really not helping anybody with going after people who can't pay for your services or for your, for your tools, for, for your offer. Because at that point, you're not going to make any money. You're not helping anybody. And it's way better to have something where people are ready to pay. And then you can reinvest that money to do some cool stuff for the people who would never be able to afford your services. And that wraps up our first episode in the third series of the Active Growth Podcast. You can get the show notes at activegrowth.com forward slash 15. So that's activegrowth, one word, dot com forward slash 15. There you can find a summary of everything we talked about. You can also find the various links to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can see a written version of the exact action steps that we talked about that you can walk through to find the right niche, to narrow your focus and to make your offers more irresistible or to move further towards that irresistible end of the spectrum. So all of that and more is at activegrowth.com forward slash 15. If you've enjoyed the Active Growth podcast, please take a moment to think about whether you know someone who could benefit from this kind of content. And if you do, send them a link, share it with them, recommend it to them. We really appreciate that. Thank you very much and I'll catch you next time.